What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Serious for God Leaders Podcast. I'm Tim Alford, National Director of Serious for God and Volunteer Youth Leader at the Source Church, Malvern. I'm Dustin Rubio, Youth Pastor of Swansea City Church and Regional Leader of Wales and Southwest Midlands. And this is a conversation designed to help youth leaders connect, think, and grow. Loving life. Uh, for those of you who don't know me or I haven't had the chance to chat to over these last few days, my name is Laura. Um, I work for Youth for Christ. I am the wife of my husband, which makes sense. Uh, he is the youth pastor in our church. I help and volunteer in our, in our uh, youth group. Uh, I'm a dog owner. I like to run. I like to read. I like to sew. I like to eat. Uh, and they are my main hobbies. Um, I am uh, going to spend the next hour with you guys uh, thinking some stuff through. Um, I'm going to chat for hopefully not a very long period of time, but long enough to be informative and interesting. Uh, and then once that has passed, I'm going to hand uh, the baton back to you guys. And we are going to engage in some stations that are around the room. Forgive me, I'm a youth worker. There are stations. And uh, my, th my hope is that on these stations, you can kind of reflect on some of what I've said, bring some of your thoughts together. And then we're going to have a wider discussion around what we think uh, or are our thoughts, in short. And I'm hoping it's going to be amazing. So um, I am going to share with you guys, if you could have the slides up, that would be fantastic, um, about what it means, what it means to disciple Generation Z. Um, so I'm going to talk about that for a little bit. And uh, I'm going to pull out four key themes that I see in Generation Z in particular uh, and what it means to address those. Now, um, before I get into that, I want to I kind of say that this whole thing is underlined with something. This whole thing, this whole topic of discipling Generation Z is underlined with the fact that we serve a timeless and unchanging God. Uh, a God who speaks through cultures. A God who speaks uh, despite anyone's age, despite anyone's background. Um, a God who... Uh, his Holy Spirit will convict and speak to people, whether they've never had a conversation with anyone about Jesus before, or whether someone's been kind of chipping away at them for 50 years. Our God is unchanging, but our culture changes. And that, I guess, is what I'm wanting to kind of touch on this morning. Um, in the Bible, uh, in Ezekiel and Isaiah, God calls particular people in an age to be watchmen. Um, he calls people to be watchmen over nations and calls people to be watchmen over cities. And these guys' job is to, um, is to either pray over their nation, to look at culture, look into culture and to pray, or to walk around the walls of their cities and be watchful and speak God's truth over culture. And I believe as youth workers, there's an element of that that we're called to be doing, to be watchmen over culture, to be speaking God's truth, to be praying over a generation. There's also a really interesting uh, part in 1 Chronicles where David summons an army. And uh, there are a, a group of people that come to serve him called the men of Issachar. And it says that from the tribe of Issachar, 200 leaders, all of them men uh, that understood the times, and knew the best course for Israel to take. All of the men understood the signs of the times and knew the best course for Israel to take. People who saw what was going on, understood it, and said, okay, so how do we move forwards from here? And these, I guess, are some of the questions that I'm wanting us to look at this morning. So first up, who are Generation Z? Now, Generation Z are young people uh, that were born 
between roughly the mid-90s and the early 2000s. So you're kind of looking um, at like 15 to 25-year-olds. And these guys are different to me. Now, I, I hit my 30th birthday in December, and uh, I, I'm realizing I'm starting to get on. And um, I look at these guys, and I genuinely look at them, and I think, how do you think so differently to me? I don't understand you. Uh, and this, this is a generation that are really different to, to older folk like me. Um, they're a generation that don't know what the world was like before 9-11. They have constantly grown up with this threat of terrorism, with September the 11th, with the London bombings, with the Paris attacks. This for them is normality. The world is fragile and it is broken and you don't know what is going to happen next. They're a generation that has grown. They don't know what the dial-up tone is. They have no idea of that beautiful sound. They are a generation who expects internet, expects connectivity, expects it now, and doesn't know what it's like to play snake on buttons. They don't know these things. They expect to be able to touch a screen and for stuff to happen, for things to be interactive and to be instant. They're also a generation that know uh, not only what it is for the world to be relationally fragile, but for the world to be economically fragile. Uh, they grew up in a time of uh, financial crisis, where people lost their jobs, where people couldn't afford stuff. They understand that the world is a fragile place, and they're a generation that wants to make a difference to that. Now, of course, they are teenagers, and there's stuff about teenagers as youth workers that we know is true. And all of that stuff stays the same. The relational turmoil, the, um, the hormones, all of the stuff that goes on and kicks off. But their brain wiring can be slightly different. And it's some of that stuff that I want to talk about this morning and how it is that we as youth workers best introduce them to Jesus through that, how we disciple them through some of this stuff, and how we encourage them to be sharing their faith with their friends in this culture and generation as well. So I'm going to look at four topics. And the first one... Oh, yeah. Oh, that was so good. I felt really powerful. Um, the first one is that this is a generation that are empowered. Now, um, it's really interesting because this this generation is used to having answers uh, at the at the tips of their fingers. They can educate themselves. They can find out stuff for themselves. They can make stuff happen. Uh, a couple of a few months ago, you'll have all seen this advert. I'm sure, or many of you will. Um, I was sitting on my sofa at home, and I saw this advert that I'll play, that I'll play in two seconds. And um, this, for me, sums up the heart of this generation. Um, are you good with the video? Yes, thanks. So, that is Generation Z. They, they find an obstacle. They find something they don't know about. They find something they can't do, and they educate themselves. Not only do they educate themselves, but they're connected. They get other people involved. They build community. And then, together, they face and overcome the impossible. This is a generation that our young people are growing up in. This generation have abandoned Google. It might be quick. It might take 30 seconds to type something into Google and see an answer, but they would rather go to YouTube. And they watch. And they watch images. Do you know that over 70% of Generation Z will spend more than two hours on YouTube a day? Two hours. This is where they spend their time. And what does that mean for us as youth workers? How we connect with them. How we do stuff with them. These guys... Um, are interconnected. There's this sense of collaboration, this sense of let's do this together, let's do this online. And um, it's really interesting because marketers are trying to, there's loads about Generation, if you want to find out more about this, there's loads about Generation Z at the moment, because marketers want to crack this. Because these guys, it's, it's, it's kind of worked out that between the, U, uh, between the UK and America, um, this generation spend around £28 billion annually 
these guys have huge, huge marketing power. And they take up, um, Marketing Magazine, they, they, they said that they think that the, about a quarter of the population are taken up by Generation Z. Now, if we are youth pastors and youth pa- pastors are not just the guys in our churches, then that's a quarter of our, of, our, of our population that we're looking out for. And that is an incredible thing. You see, these guys believe that they can find out knowledge for themselves, they can take that on, they can learn, and not just can they own that knowledge and have that knowledge, but they can do stuff with it because they know that their generation can be self-starters. There's a guy in our youth group called Sam, and before he left school, um, Instagram and YouTube, was it Instagram? Yeah, I think it was. Instagram and YouTube were paying him £600 a month to advertise on his YouTube channel. And so this 16-year-old was getting £600 a month. And so what he would do with that is take it and he would invest it into new camera equipment, invest it into new editing software, and plough that back in. And by the age of 16, was learning how to manage his money, learning how to have this business online. They know that there's websites like Kickstarter where people will communally fund stuff. They can find out knowledge, they can apply it, and they can get people behind them to back them. This is a generation that want to participate. They want adventure. They want to do. Sitting in a room and being told stuff for them, it's just not how it clicks. You see, they want to get involved. They want this adventure for themselves. They want to document it. They want to film it. They want to post it, share it, and have it rated, and then inspire others to join them on that journey. They don't want to wait. They're used to a world where their opinion is asked, where they can write comments, they can like, they can dislike. They're not used to just being told they want to collaborate on stuff. There was an amazing quote that I read, which said that this generation is set up to be an instigator of change in a hyper-connected world. What does that mean for us, discipling and guiding these young people and pointing them towards Jesus? The danger with this age group is that maybe they have this power, but they don't have the wisdom to use it well all the time. They don't necessarily have the guidance around them. So how do we put that in place? How do we harness this, hand power over to them? So down here is the station which is around being empowered and empowering young people. Uh, And afterwards, when I've spoken a little bit more, we'll go around these. But the questions that I've written to think about, well, you can just write anything there, to be honest with you, any thoughts that you have. But the questions that I've, I've asked is how do we as youth workers hand over more power to this generation? How do we step back and empower them whilst guiding and correcting them? And how can we empower young people to tell their friends about Jesus online? So that's some of the questions down here uh, where maybe Tim could, could host that area. Thanks, Tim. Um, okay, second up. The second thing I believe that is significant about this generation is that they are living in a dual reality. Now, someone like me at the grand old age of 30 would see young people sat around a dinner table, would see people on their phones and think, don't you understand you're missing out on what's in front of you? Don't you understand that you're missing out on reality? Put your phone away. And stressing out and constantly going on at our young people in church about putting their phones away. Stop texting people. Listen, you're not listening. They get sick and they get sick of me. They really do. And um, it's taken me a little while to realize. But these guys have two realities. They have the physical reality that's in front of them, but they also have their online reality. Now, I, wanna, I want you to take uh, an imaginary trip with me to, to get your head around this. If you're a young person at school and someone talks about somebody in your year group, what are you going to do? You're going to search for their profile. You see, in your year group, you will be known by your profile page more than you're known by your personality. 
People will Google you. People will look at you. People will look at the comments about you, look at the pictures you've posted, the videos that you're part of, and that is what they will judge you on. And that is the reality that the rest of your year group will see you in. You see, you'll have a close circle of friends who know who you are, but largely, people know you through your online account. It's a totally different reality for these guys. And it's interesting because the amount of shares you have and the amount of likes you have determine your popularity more than the amount of people that you hang out with. And it's an interesting reality for these guys because, it, it's again, even this dual reality, this online reality is, is a kind of double-edged reality for them because on the one hand, this is a reality they can manage. This is a profile that they can edit, that they can Photoshop, that they can put the comments that they want, that they can post the pictures that they want. And so people who don't know them that well in their school that will check out their profile page will see them in the light that they want to be seen. And yet... When someone attacks that profile, when someone attacks who you are online, when people gang up against you, then that will very quickly gain a lot of looks online and people will see you through the lens that other people want you to be seen by and not your own. And so it's, it's interesting because when you see uh, young people, when you see them and you try to take their phone off them, there's this incredible uh, tension that you see in young people because they, they carry this guilt for being on their phone all the time. But I don't know if you've tried to take a phone off a young person recently. There's genuine anxiety there. They genuinely panic because they're missing out on a different reality that's happening, a reality that determines their personality and determines how their peers see them. And they cannot miss out, or they feel that they cannot be disconnected from that alternative reality. These guys, though, are more cautious because they understand the, the danger of a digital footprint. And part of the reason of their anxiety and their stress is that they understand that whatever's put online largely stays there one way or another. It can be hidden, but it's still there. That future employers, future university professors can see all this stuff that's put online. And so this dual reality for them is so real. And I think we as youth workers need to, to look at how we can support them in this and how we can use this. Because as well as this, this online reality, their language is different. They, their language is pictures. Their language is emojicons and GIFs and videos and Snapchat. Pictures that convey emotion. Things that can be open to interpretation. And a language in pictures that, that breaks through cultures as well. And so we talk to our young people in words. I think millennials, the older, us older generation, we're more of a word kind of, kind of deal. These guys speak in pictures. And so what does that mean as we communicate to them? The dangers that we have for this generation is that their brain development is going to be very interesting. There are now surveys being done and tests being done saying that if, a, young, if a, a child sits in front of a screen for a certain amount of time, it actually affects, and it's not surprising, but it affects who they become. You see, what happens is that as they flick through their screens, they don't interact with other people around them. They don't learn to talk and to speak and to interact. And actually, interesting, they don't learn to speak to themselves. They don't talk to themselves. And if they don't talk to themselves, they don't learn how to self-soothe. And so they struggle to be on their own. They become dependent on other people because they're not comfortable on their own. They're not comfortable in their own identity. And this becomes more and more true as these guys spend more time in front of their screens. So how do we deal with this? Um, at the back in the top corner, I've got a little uh, area which is around living in a dual reality. And there are three yes or no vote questions up there. And these are they. 
Should we as youth workers encourage young people to be engaging, engaging with physical reality rather than an online reality? Have you noticed a decline in teenagers' social and emotional intelligence? And should young people be encouraged to be on their phones in a church service or a youth meeting? So those are back at the top and Sarah is going to be back there. The third um, thing that I've noticed about this age group is that they are a generation that are filled with self-confidence. Now, this is different to having high self-esteem. I don't think they necessarily do. I see a lot of young people of this age group that are completely broken when it comes to self-esteem, but they have a confidence in what their generation can achieve and sometimes what they personally can achieve. You see, the interesting thing about this age group is that technology has leveled the playing field. You see, they are a generation that know that they can just drop an email to whoever they want. They haven't got to approach anyone face to face. They've not got to make that awkward phone call. You know, the whole, oh, is, is Sarah there? Can, can she come out and play tonight? It's not any of that. There's a, there's a sense where if they want to email their local MP, they can just do it from the safety of their screen. If they want to tweet a superstar, they can do that. They're really confident in communicating with anyone at any stage of authority. And this increased confidence also increases what they are, believe that they are capable of. You saw that at the end with that group of people that went, were going to go and swim across the ocean. They believe that they are capable of so much. And I hope that that is true. It's a generation who is respectful of authority, but don't also necessarily know how to communicate in a way that is respectful. The amount of young people that have put stuff about people in authority online and not really thought through the consequences. We've had young people expelled uh, for the things that they've written about their teachers on Facebook because they don't respect their authority. They believe that they're wasting their time. They could find out this knowledge on their own. Why should I respect this person? I'm just going to type on Facebook. And then, of course, their teachers see it and they get expelled. And so when we lead youth groups, I've actually really... I don't know whether this is just me being an awful youth worker. It's possible. But... I've noticed that, that young people are a lot quicker to criticise what we do as youth workers as well. They're very comfortable to sit us down and tell us where we did something very badly, where we spoke to someone and it wasn't fair, or where the youth work could be better. And it's not that they necessarily don't accept your authority, but they are very happy to challenge it. And what does that mean for us as youth workers? There's almost a sense sometimes of entitlement culture with this confidence, a sense of being able to spot very quickly what's right and what's wrong and what fair, what's fair and what isn't. There's also a real competitive nature within this self-confidence. Um, when I went to school, the most competitive thing was what my grades were going to be. Um, and uh, I had to achieve better. And now, definitely, there's more pressure there. But if you think what else has become competitive in this culture... If you think about the television shows people watch, now pretty much every recreational activity is judged, assessed and rewarded for brilliance. Dancing, cooking, dog training, sewing, you name it, making, decorating a room, you name it and it's judged and it's awarded based on its success. And that's what these young people see. That if you're not the very best at what you do, it's just not good enough. And so they carry this around with them. They're a generation filled with self-confidence with, with the narrative of the Hunger Games and with Divergent, of young people being confident and raising up and throwing over authority. And yet they grow up in a world where this week we heard that the top richest 1% of the world own as much wealth as the other 99%. And this confidence exists in this world of brokenness and this world of torn reality. They're ambitious and they want to make a difference. But there is so much difference to be made. And what happens if and when they fail? 
often they're self-conscious as teenagers, but have an added pressure of self-broadcast via social media. The dangers that I see with this generation is how do we begin to disciple and correct young people that don't see authority in the same way that we do? With young people that aren't necessarily willing to take our advice in the same way that I would have taken the advice of my youth leader. What do we do with that? What do we do when they fail, when they have such high expectations on themselves? So um, there is also going to be a station for this, which is this one here. And Rich, if you're happy to man here, thank you so much. The questions will be, how do we disciple and challenge a generation that are confident in their own abilities and their own mistakes? When, did young, uh, when young people are less willing to take advice from those in authority, especially those outside their peer group, do we just have to just stand by and watch them make their own mistakes? And do you see a fresh confidence in this generation? How do you see this generation handle disappointment? And then finally, I see a generation that are ethical and they are authentic. And Mike touched on some of this yesterday. This generation see more advertising in one month than their parents did in their entire lifetimes. And what that means is that they can sniff out what's real and they can sniff out what's not. They know what is authentic and they know what is someone just trying to sell them stuff. And what does that mean when we're trying to create, um, communicate faith to this generation and live as a Christian adult? How do we be authentic in that, really authentic? It's a very tolerant generation. It might be slightly different with young people who are Christians because I think maybe they've grown up around it more. But for a lot of young people, your average young person, homophobia, racism, all, all those kind of issues that we've been wrestling with and thinking through, they're kind of non-issues for these guys because it's just assumed that those things shouldn't be issues. They're aware that some people are annoyed about them and some people get angry with them. But for Generation Z, largely, they just don't understand why they should be a problem. The ethics time kind of lean towards the left. They're a fairly sensible generation. They don't drink in the same way that the millennials drink. I think that they saw their big brothers and sisters binge drinking and decided it wasn't a good idea. But they don't drink in the same way that millennials do. They don't smoke as much as millennials do. It's really interesting if you look at the crime statistics. Crime figures for 10 to 17-year-olds have fallen dramatically from 111,000 convicted or given a caution in 2007 to only 28,000 in 2013. They're sensible. They want to live their lives right and they want to live their lives ethically. Trust and transparency are key for this generation. And if we are not authentic, if we cannot be trusted, then they will know that about us and they will vote with their feet and they will leave. It is so important that we're real and communicate a real faith. They're also interesting because uh, there was a survey that was done which said that 93% of young people are willing to pay more for brands that um, are ethical, for more for brands that are social, have social and community considerations. And 90% of those are also willing to encourage their friends to do the same. These guys check their labels. They buy food, they buy drink, which is the thing that they set, spend most second most money on. So they spend most of their money on clothes and then on food and drink. And they will check the labels. They will check the salt content. They will check how much is in them. They want to look after themselves. They're con consumers. But the thing that excites me most about this generation is that fame and fortune is not on their agenda. That is not what they chase. They want to make a difference. They want to make a difference in their world. This generation aren't actually bothered about Kim Kardashian. They don't care about Beyonce. They respect people like Malala Yousafzai who were shot in the face at 15 standing up for education for females. 
They are the champions of this generation and the people that they believe make a difference and the people that they believe have, have power and are the people that are worth listening to. And so questions. How do we harness this generation, uh, this generation's ethical and ecological concerns and use it to introduce these young people to a God who is restoring the world back to himself? And then how do we as a wider church demonstrate an authentic faith to this generation and encourage them to pass on authentic faith to their friends? And so we're going to be looking at those questions in the top corner with Matt. Um, I'm just going to, I'm nearly done. Um, I haven't forgotten about Justin Bieber. Don't you worry. Um, what, what I'd like is I'd, I'm going to just sort of leave some space and some time. Um, and to just float around those, which if there's, a, if there's one that particularly interests you, then go to that thing. Um, if you just want to float between the four, that's absolutely fine as well. Um, but before I finish, I'm not actually a massive Justin Bieber fan until the recent album. Um, <laughs> like the rest of the nation. Um, but he's a really interesting, interesting case for Generation Z. You see, he was born in 1994 in Canada. Um, he started singing on YouTube was discovered on YouTube, became a bit of a sensation locally, was spotted on YouTube, was signed by the age of 13. Had massive success, clearly. Um, and then very publicly began to screw things up. Very publicly began to get stuff wrong. He became addicted to cocaine. He drank too much. He wrote an incredibly offensive note in the visitor book for um, Anne Frank's house. He made some massive, massive errors. And so he fell from grace publicly. Just like many of our young people fall from grace publicly now. Uh, it all happens on social media. And the rest of the year know about it before you do. And he realized something. He knew something. All his marketing team knew something about his generation. They knew that if he fell publicly, he had to be restored publicly. And so, for what I think, I'm pretty sure, is the first time Comedy Central hosted the roast of Justin Bieber. And they got a line of comedians up to just rip it out of him. There was a moment where he gave a speech and publicly apologised in the adverts. He was egged and humiliated. It's like he had to say to his generation, I am authentic. I understand that I got this wrong. I'm sorry. These are the things that I've got wrong. And these guys are going to say to me all the things that you wanted to say to me. And then let's just put this to bed. And that's exactly what happened. A couple of months later, he releases his new album. He breaks a record by having songs at numbers one, two, or three in the charts. And he's restored. He gets something about this generation around that idea of authenticity, around the idea of being real. Something that sometimes we're not that good at with our faith, actually. Um, as you go around the stations, uh, I'm going to ask the guys at the back to play a Justin Bieber song. You're so happy, aren't you? Um, and it's, it's many of you may have heard of it, many of you may have not. It's called Children. And um, what I would love you to do, we're going to play the video, but I would love you to listen to the lyrics. Because this is a, a member of Generation Z crying out to the rest of their generation about the things that I've been speaking about this morning. Who's got the heart? Who's going to make a difference in this world? Of course, Justin Bieber then had this kind of turnaround of coming back to his faith. And, and Gen Z get that because they believe that there's a purpose in life, that they were here to make a difference, yada, yada, yada. They get this. Justin Bieber hosts this in a lot of what he says in his interviews. But this song, 
this song says something to Generation Z that we need to be speaking over them as well. So um, I'm going to invite you to come and engage in these um, thingies. What's it? And um, there's little notes there as well. Um, and then we're going to come back together and have a chat for a little bit. It might not actually be ages, but that's okay. We'll be fine. We'll be fine. So if you could listen to the lyrics of this while you go around as well, that would be really helpful. Go. Oh, I got a bit dizzy then when I stood up. Woo. Um, if my lovely glamorous assistants who have been gathering information could join me on the stage, that'd be great. I think the way that we're going to do this is that we're going to have a bit of feedback from each station and between the feedback, get your thoughts and ideas around that particular area. I think that's how it's going to work. And the great news is I'm entirely confident that one of you guys is so enlightened that we're going to go home with all the answers. So I'm really excited and expectant about whoever is going to share that wisdom. Um, so do you want to go first? So Tim, what was your station and what were you guys looking at? I was on the empowered uh, station. How do we as youth workers uh, hand over more power to the generation? How do we step back and empower them whilst guiding and correcting? And how do we empower young people online to tell their friends about Jesus? I, I think, um, to be honest, some of them are quite difficult to, to read on the foil. But if I was to, to sum up the uh, collective thought in three words, they would be uh, these words, responsibility, accountability, and love. So those three themes were things that you uh, kept bringing out. So, so the idea that we, um, we uh, empower young people with real responsibility, not just with tasks, uh, was something that came through strongly. But through that process, we don't just leave them to it, but we keep them accountable and we support them on the journey of, of that responsibility. And, uh, you know, just as Mike was teaching us yesterday, actually, but and, and again, through that, when it doesn't go right and when there's mistakes or failures, we communicate really clearly uh, our love for them. So th those that was really the, th the, sh the three strongest themes that kept coming out, the idea of responsibility, accountability, and love in terms of empowering the generation. Okay. Uh, so does anybody have... I've taken my massive shoes off so I don't humiliate myself by falling down the stairs. Um, has anyone got any thoughts or anything they'd like to say on that? What this might look like practically on a week-to-week -week basis? It's great to say that we will empower them, but are you willing to hand over your youth sessions to your teenagers for them to... Anyone got any feedback? Talk to me. Go into the back. I've actually got the awesome privilege of growing up in Generation Z and being a youth leader in it. And um, I think it's, it's great what we do and it's great how we get to speak into young people's lives. But one thing that we also have to evolve with it, so we have to evolve with the generation. So young people will probably get more out of reading a short post on Facebook than they would if I sat there and talked to them for half an hour. Young people would get more out of a four-minute video which goes with your talk than your actual talk because it gives them something to focus on and it gives them that topic. So I think practically it's really bringing your youth work and our youth work into this generation of, well, into Generation Z and including all these things which they use. Like, if they watch two hours of YouTube a day, put on a video. If they scroll through Facebook every five minutes, I scroll through Facebook every five minutes. I'm not saying write a Facebook post. <laughs> but keeping it short, snappy, stuff like that. Yeah, that's great. 
Thank you. And we were talking before about the interesting thing around if our young people are largely being communicated through visually, how many of us actually know how to edit on Movie Maker? How many of us actually know how to edit videos, make videos, to communicate with our young people in the way that they find most effective? Um, anybody else want to contribute? Um, clearly, I'm not part of Generation Z. Um, but I think it's really, it's really important to empower young people, but in a way that sets them up to do well not in a way that sets them up to fail. Um, because if, if, as you were explaining, they have no capacity to deal with or are less able emotionally to deal with failure because of that confidence they have, um, then you want them to have opportunities to do things that they'll be able to do well and get better at. And in the process, teach them how to get better through the things they don't quite do as well, rather than having someone perhaps who can't sing a note go, yep, yeah, you become our next worship leader. You're just setting them up to fail. So I think whatever we choose is about knowing the young people we're working with and finding ways to empower them in something that either they're passionate about or they clearly have got um, potential in. I think that's really, rather than going, yeah, all of you can do something um, and not trying to find what best suits them. Yeah, great. And I wonder whether some of it is revealing layers to these guys as well. So maybe as youth workers, we still hold the strategy, we'll still hold the philosophy of the youth work, or maybe you let a couple of key young leaders into that. And then there's a layer below that where you release your youth sessions to some of your young people. And there's a layer below that where you let some of them look after the sweets or something. So there's maybe like layers of leadership and layers of handing over and empowering our young people as well. Cool. So I have uh, I've got two kids that are both very much part of this Generation Z. My my daughter has like three uh, what what's it called Instagram accounts. Um, I have one too, but I, f I always forget what it's called. Um, um, she has three, and her thing is she wants to she wants to make the biggest impact she can. Right, so, so she's well part of this sort of stuff. Um, my kids though, um, I've I've learned how to um, how to empower them. Uh, through being a dad, and uh, and and they are very keen on doing lots of things, and and they want to build things, and they want to make things, and all that sort of stuff, and they want to change the world, and uh, and I've found that just by being there and and doing it with them, um, I can empower them more so. So um, uh, this week we was looking at um, me and my son. He, 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 I helped him to build a a VA engine out of uh, connects. You know, with all the pistons moving and the cogs turning and all that sort of stuff, it was great fun. And uh, and then we looked at his uh, like university, local university. How do I get into building jet engines? And then we looked at you know what what sort of stuff does he have to do after doing his uh, A levels? What GCSEs does he need to do? Is he's got his GCSEs? Like he's got to make his choices on Thursday. So when I leave from here today, I'm gonna run home and I'm gonna go and beat some teachers up with him and make him do what I say and all that sort of stuff so that my kid can do the best he can and all that sort of stuff. So I think coming alongside them and empowering them in that way um, because, all the, you know, we haven't got all the answers but we can we can support them really well, can't we? I ain't got a clue how to, you know, my, my daughter, she she does these things where she, um, she's um got like a Barbie thing on uh, Instagram. Now she dresses these Barbies up and she puts them in the woods and she takes pictures of them and I'm like, I'm no good at dressing Barbies but you go girl, you go. <laughs> And that's really interesting. That's one thing I forgot to say about social media is that young people often look for a space that they can be creative. So often young people will have secret Instagram or secret Snapchat accounts um, because they want a space to be creative but won't, don't want the repercussions of when people judge that creativity or that creativity goes wrong. So they're looking for a space to explore as well. Right, Matt, do you want to go next? I was thinking of having a secret account as well. I'd be scared of that. <laughs> that would scare me. I so you had, <laughs> what I did you have at the top? I was the um, Perspex screen. You were. Ethical and authentic. Thanks. Yes. 
those of you contributed, well done. Some excellent contributions. Uh, here's my own sort of take on what you wrote. We need to live out what we teach and believe. Frightening this sort of stuff, isn't it? <laughs> no, don't want to do that. Uh, need, <laughs> need to use technology interactively, uh, teaching when discussing stuff. So we'd be like, you know, what's the Bible verse sort of stuff. Is that what you had in mind? Yeah, if that's what was written down. Yeah, come on, that's amen. Right. Share real life struggles. And I've, my own words are as appropriate. We don't want, we don't want youth pastors going, yesterday I... Keep that to yourself, you know, discuss it with your accountability partner. Is this for your secret Instagram account? Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> Amen. Hey. Welcome to the national team, ladies uh, and gentlemen. Give them, this is actually quite good, I don't know who wrote it, but well done. Give them outreach, stroke, helping community projects, I, you know, get them to lead it. So give them like, yeah. see what you can do to fix that sort of thing, you know? Yeah, fantastic. Last one. Yeah talk about the God of justice, because if we are yeah. into ethical stuff, talk about yeah. the defender that's great. of the way. And I think that's incredible. And, and for a generation that don't necessarily buy into the whole right and wrong thing, whether we do believe in sin and all that, so of course we do, of course we believe that God forgave us, but is that their introduction point to God? Or is it a God that's of justice, a God that wants to bring this whole world back to himself? How do you find that we do this practically, encourage our young people ethically and with authenticity? Uh, any thoughts? Anyone want to say anything? Any contributions? So I, I take them everywhere I go. Um, so if I, if I pray some, for some old lady in the street, then there's some kid there watching me. You know what I mean? Or if if, if I'm there fishing and I'm, I'm actually like actually actively praying, uh, I, I remember I brought a guy called um, Bob up here and uh, and he, and he asked me, you know, Dan, can you teach me to speak in pastoral tongue? Um, you know, all that sort of stuff. They they love it. I take we, I take my lad everywhere. You know what I mean? I take I, I, whenever I go preaching and stuff, I take him everywhere. And, uh, and and they just see, you know, it's it's not like I'm doing one thing on a Sunday and another thing on a Monday. Uh, they'll see me praying for old ladies. They'll see me helping old ladies across the street and and like showing off my Bible, you know, wave it around as I'm helping a blind man cross the street and all that as you do, and uh, all that sort of stuff. And they just get on board of it. You know, it's good. Yeah, and I wonder whether there's something that we learn as a generation about being authentic with each other as well. Because I'm not sure how good we are at that. Uh, any other thoughts around this? Anyone want to contribute anything? Yeah, great. Can I squeeze past you? Is that okay? I was going to climb, but it would be horrible for everyone to watch. There you go. I think for, for me, one of the things I've tried to do um, is to really challenge our young people to think where the things that they have got a passion for come from. Because if they have strong uh, moral conviction about something or... Um, working in ethical framework well where is that actually rooted we'll probably find that it's in god so challenge them to think not just what a, what it is they've got but where's that actually come from fantastic and maybe a really interesting way of doing outreach as well and engaging with young people who don't know god at all oh thanks matt appreciate that i think um maybe with with issues of of justice as well just maybe bringing attention to i suppose some of the the bigger issues in in the world and in society of, you, you know, the injustices of 1% of the population having 99% of the wealth, the amount of people that don't have access to, to water and food and the, the major injustices that are out there brings a, quite a stark contrast then to kind of some of the stuff that we experience and encounter and them actually knowing that sort of stuff and obviously in an engaging way it is, I think, for them to be part of projects that, you know, really can make a difference is is, is 
you know, going to bring some more meaning to their life and their spirituality as well. Yeah, and this is slightly drifting into the self-confidence kind of area, but I think it's interesting that our cynicism doesn't rub off on a generation who believes that they can do it. Um, I think as a cynical grown-up, I can often actually... Um, de-enthuse my young people when I'm like, well, do you think you can do that? Are you capable? And they really believe they are. I think if um, we're going to be authentic in the message of Jesus and justice and stuff like that, we also have to communicate a theology of suffering. You know, that, that people going through pain and suffering isn't necessarily a bad thing. And if we're going to be authentic, we have to give the whole message and not just the nice bits of the message. Brilliant, thank you. Right, Sarah, we are going to move on to what you were looking at. Go on, take the suspense Living away. in a dual reality. Ooh. So, um, I'm really glad I had the one with the sweets. Yay! Um, and was happy to volunteer to eat the sweets for the people, so thanks for those who said yes. Um, this was giving you um, a yes or a no option, and to be honest, most of you were very unhappy about that. Um, you were like, I can't say yes or no. Um, so I was just like, go with your gut instinct, go with kind of what your preference or the majority of the time would be. The first question was this, have you noticed a decline in teenagers' social and emotional intelligence? And 20 of you said, no, you haven't noticed a decline. And 15 of you said, yes, you had. So kind of a bit of a split on that one, really. Let me move on to the next one. Yep, next one. Okay, the next one. Oh, this one tell you, cat amongst the pigeons. Should we as youth workers encourage, this was the word, encourage young people to be engaging with physical reality rather than an online reality? So overwhelmingly, 24 of you said, yes, we should be encouraging them to engage in the physical reality rather than an online reality. And only eight of you said no to that. Interesting. Interesting. Um, and then... Um, should young people be encouraged to be on their phones in a church service or youth meetings? Um, lots of discussions about appropriate and at certain points we would do this and certain points we would do that. Um, and again, a pretty even split. No 15 and yes 10. Okay, has anybody got anything to say about any of this? This is a constant one in our church. Should the young people be allowed on their mobiles? It's an ongoing debate. I'm not really on about mobiles, but I think the dual reality thing, I think that will grow because you have two consoles coming out this year which are entirely virtual reality. And um, I took part in an app about six months ago where um, it was an app called Karen and The Guardian recommended it. But I I answer questions to an actor and um, she'd reply with her life story. And weirdly enough, don't... Don't judge me, but she became real. You talk to her every day for 10 days, and I knew about her relationships. She was an actor. She wasn't real, but that affected me. And I was like, gosh, what does that story mean? And how, how would young people be affected by that? I think if they're going to see gaming in a, a physical sense where they're going to walk into some scary rooms, then they're going to see virtual reality as, as more of a real life thing and we saw it about four, four years ago with Second Life. I think we're probably going to have to embrace it like we did the online thing and we're going to have to embrace it and find a new way of working which is exciting but nerve-wracking at the same time. Great. Any other thoughts? Yeah. Hello. Yeah. Oh, that was deep. Hello. Um, still, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Wow, Sarah's gone really deep. Um, 
I yeah, I struggle with the yes no bit on on that one in particular because um, I think they interesting. We've over the last couple of days we've talked about anxiety. Um, and a couple of, we had a really good conversation at the top that if you remove that from them, their anxiety is really high. We we did a uh, we had a cell group in our, our our home and we got them to put their phones in a box on the table. Um, and if anything buzzed, you could see them all looking. at They weren't paying any attention whatsoever. They were more concerned about was that a message? Was that something that social media? And and they were all focused on the box. So we just stopped that. But they, it's amazing what they do pick up, even while on, on a phone or whatever. And I think the challenge for churches is young people are going to be on their phones. So we need to give them something to look at because they will find something else. So our challenge in this dual reality, for them it is real. For their, for our, so our challenge is to give them something that they need to access or even how we do that while we're presenting the gospel or preaching or doing something, how can we make what we do interactive that they will, that when they go on it, they go on with a purpose rather than, oh, well, this is a little bit, this has gone on for more than six minutes. They start looking for something else. So it's a challenge for us, I think. It's really, for them, it's so so important. And we have this same conversation. You know, ch- Young children now are playing on their tablets or on their phones during the service. But 20, 30 years ago, they were doing the colouring their attention somewhere else, but they listen. If you ask them and, convers- and they pick it up because they've learned, every generation is prepared for what they're dealt with. They learn to, I can do this and listen and do something else and do something else. Well, they're not always healthy, but they do it. So we need to give them something, I think, that they can interact with with what's going on. Yeah, that's great. Thank you. Maybe we become a friend of aeroplane mode uh, on phones. Dawn, I think this is the last one. Dawn, last one. Sorry, it's just like what Rob said. It's so easy to make an app. Why not just make an app for people to interact in church services and in youth, an app that they can interact with and listen to you at the same time? Great. I thought of this, but just also helping young people to engage safely online. Yes. Um, yeah. Great. Ruth, do you want to take Sarah's mic? I'm going to try and... So this is the last station and it was filled with self-confidence. The three questions were this. How do we disciple and challenge a generation that are confident in their own ability and their mistakes? When young people are less willing to take advice from others, especially outside their peer group, do we just have to stand by and watch them make their own mistakes? And do you see a fresh confidence in this generation and how do you see this generation handling disappointment? Um, a lot of people um, seem to be talking about this idea as, as youth workers that we need to be vulnerable and we need to be real with people as they journey through the mistakes, as they journey through their disappointments in order that they could, we can journey with them, which was seemed to be the second big theme that was coming out, this idea of journeying, this idea of loving people um, through and being their friends, not the authority figure as we journey with them. Um, I think they were perhaps every there were so m- they were so varied that they were perhaps the two key words. Maybe if we leave the sticky notes out for one, people want to look at them. Um, has anyone got anything I want to say about this? I think I've found recently that more and more often I've sat opposite a young person having a coffee and they've just gone no to whatever I've suggested and not wanted to listen. Uh, how do we disciple in this? How do we make this something that's that's a doable thing for us as youth workers? Yeah. Um, many a conversation with people not just necessarily with young people where they said you know I've done everything I can do for this person they're not listening 
I'm kind of taking my hands back, but actually God never did that with us. And it can be so easy with a young person to think I'm frustrated with them. They're not listening to what I'm saying. But, you know, there are many times where God's probably sitting there thinking exactly the same about us. And actually what we've got to do is model the grace that's been shown to us. Um, And it's hard, but I'm pretty sure that God sits there frustrated and, you know, come on, listen to me. Um, And we've just kind of got to model that to our young people. I wonder whether some of it's about creating better support networks amongst us as well. I think we're going to move on now. Cool. Cool. So what I would like us to do now is we're going to spend just perhaps the next 20 minutes or 25 minutes thinking about two different areas. One is with our young people as we leave here and one is with ourselves as we leave here. I want us to think about what is the one thing we can be taking with us that we can then place into action. We've heard so much over the last um, three days and we've had so much input over the last three days. It's beginning to go, actually, what do I do with this? Because if not, we've just heard some great people speaking about some great topics that has been really inspirational. But yet it has to translate into what we do on a daily basis, on a weekly basis and on a monthly basis. And I want us to help us to do that as a group. So uh, we've prepared a a little sheet that I'm hoping is going to help you think about what's the one thing. And we're going to start with our young people and then we're going to move to ourselves. So the first sheet that's coming around just asks you this. What is it that the Holy Spirit has been prompting you about in regards to working with your young people? Is there one thing that over these last three days, maybe it's been a recurring theme, maybe it's something that's just hit hard and you've gone, actually, I I want to make this one step, this change, this difference in this area. This is my one step thing as I leave this place. And you um. So your sheet as it comes round, um, sorry, I should have kept one. Your sheet as it comes round says this. With my young people, what's the Holy Spirit been prompting you about over the last couple of days? And then the action is, what's one change you can make to move forward in the area? And then there's some questions to help you do that. So it may be in groups of two or three, we're going to give you just five minutes to talk about your one thing and to begin to write it down. Everybody with me? So talk about your one thing and then just begin to write it down. Thanks everybody for listening to the Serious for God Leadership Podcast. We want to make sure that this podcast is tackling the issues that affect you in youth ministry. So email us info at seriousforgod.co.uk and tell us what you want us to talk about. And please remember to subscribe through iTunes or however you get your podcast. And stay in touch with Serious for God on social media. Facebook, Twitter, Periscope, we're Serious for God. Instagram, Serious for God, Elim. And YouTube, Serious for God, UK. See you next time.